within the next month or so, the world is going to dramatically change again, thanks to our good buddies at Apple. iOS 15, mid-September, is going to dramatically change how all of these cookies and all of the data that we're passing back and forth is actually tracked. So we're going to see a big explosion. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Most people think of personalization strategies as the thank you note written on the post-purchase card sent to the customer or a thank you video from the CEO. But personalization goes deeper when it comes to e-commerce. The personalized experience could include the products that are shown to the non-logged-in user based on their location or IP address. It could also include reminding users about a battery pack if the product box does not include that. In today's episode, we invited a panel of cross-functional experts for a live interview on LinkedIn who brings significant expertise to discuss personalization strategies. We covered many grounds in this episode, including why personalization matters and different features related to personalization. Finally, we discussed tools and technologies available to enable personalization and how intent data could help boost the personalized experience for your customers. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hello, welcome everyone. Today we have a very exciting topic for you and that is going to be personalization strategies. When we talk about data, when you talk about analytics, especially uh, as it relates to e-commerce, the personalization is going to be super powerful. And we have very exciting panel that is going to share their experiences and strategies that they have seen uh, while working with their customers. First, we will start with the intros. Steve, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, Sam. And happy to be here with Chris and Dave. Excited to have this conversation. Uh, my name is Steve Rice. I'm the president of Dotcom Jungle. Uh, and uh, we help companies make and implement wise technology choices. And that often has to do with uh, building and developing websites, integrating them with their systems. And we're often sitting with the marketing team asking these questions about personalization. How do we optimize the human experience, both for the people that work for the company and for the people who are uh, buying from the company? Amazing. And Steve, uh, personalization strategies in the B2C world are going to be super critical because it's much more difficult to excite the consumers than in the B2B world, because at least in the B2B world, you can make phone calls. In the B2C world, you don't really have that option. So thank you so much for being here. Your experiences are going to be super beneficial for today's panel. Chris, would you like to introduce yourself next? Absolutely. Thank you, Sam. Great to be here with you guys today. Uh, Chris Harrington, President and COO of Gen Alpha Technologies. We are a solution provider for manufacturers, distributors, and dealers of e-commerce, e-catalog, analytics, and customization uh, software. So, uh, so excited to be here. I know that personalization is really important to our customers. And uh, like you indicated, I think on the B2B side, there's a different level of expectation that, than what might be on the B2C side. So I, I look forward to talking about some of that today. And I agree with you, Chris, even though you can make phone calls, but still the experience matters because they might actually bounce out from your side before you have an opportunity to be able to make the call. And after that, they might never pick up your call. So personalization still matters, even in case of B2B. So thank you so much for being here. 
Dave, would you like to introduce yourself next? For sure. Hello, everyone. I am Dave Meyer with BusyWeb. We are a growth marketing agency that focuses on manufacturing and driving leads to our B2B clients by giving them the traffic that they need and helping them automate and, yes, personalize that content so that it hits home and and helps folks to convert. So thanks very much for having me, Sam, and super excited to be here. Yeah, from your experience, Dave, I think when people think about marketing automation, they are typically thinking that, you know what, the experience is not going to be as personalized. But you know what, when marketing automation is done right, it can be super personalized. It goes back to understanding of your customers, what they really care for. And if you can provide the information that they are really looking for, then the experience is going to be super personalized. Thank you so much for being here, Dave. Thank you. Amazing. So we are going to hit right in the topic. So number one, I don't know if our listeners are really going to be familiar with, you know, what is personalization strategies, to be honest? I don't know how much background they are going to have really in the e-commerce space. So let's say if we simply need to paint the picture here in terms of what is personalization. Steve, I am going to ask you to define what is personalization and why is it really important for e-commerce? Well, I'm actually really glad, Sam, that you started that off uh, by removing the word strategy because I was going to suggest, first, let's talk about what personalization is. At, at its most basic, we, we just want to treat each other like human beings. And you know, you, when we're on the web, we know when we're being targeted by something that actually is meaningful to us, and we know when we're not. So uh, as, as marketing people, as business owners, and as consumers, we want to be part of the families that we want to be part of, right? And we don't want to be targeted by the by the communities that we don't want to be targeted. That's that's all personalization is. So if you're, whether you're B2B or B2C, the B2B example would be if you sell snow tires and you call up people at the North Face and ask them uh, if they want stuff from, from you, they're going to be like, no, we, we need fabric, <laughs> right? So personalization is, is just be a human being, first and foremost. Yeah, an amazing uh, you know description there. But typically, when it comes to personalization, people don't know what the users or the consumers or the customers are really looking for in the site, right? So that's where the challenge is uh, in terms of the personalization strategies, and that's where the data is going to be super handy. So I am actually going to move to Chris next. Chris, would you like to define from your perspective what's been your experience in terms of why personalization matters and why people who are moving to e-commerce should care for personalization. Yeah, I think where I would start is that, you know, when it comes to personalization, particularly in the space that I serve in manufacturing, it's really about the confidence that you know your customer. So when your customer arrives, and most often, again, when, the, when, a, when a customer in my world comes to an e-commerce site, they're looking for an easier way to do their job. They need accuracy. They need timeliness. They, they need information at their fingertips that is truly making their job easier. So the way that manufacturers can personalize is to give them tools to store data related to the products that they own, potentially, or searches that they've done in the past, product history with respect to what they've purchased in the past. So it's giving them tools to create an experience that as they keep using the site, they can trigger things to help them make their job easier the next time they come. I think of things like favorites, right? Favorites is a is a personalization tool. If I'm on the site and I'm favoriting things that I've searched for in the past, and now I've identified the right SKU that I need, maybe the next time I come back, if this is a an item that I purchase frequently, I can quickly go into my favorites and push that item to my cart, get current price and availability, and check out. So something as simple as having favorites turned on for your customers can add a lot of value for them later. So I think about it as all of these different uh, ways in which we can direct the user to the exact product that they need. And 
sometimes I think this is how B2B and B2C differentiates because you can you can gather a lot of data on purchase history and search history across customers. But, it, you know, for example, if I'm looking for clothing and you recommend something to me based on what another female uh, was looking for with respect to clothing, there's no real mistake there. But in a manufacturing or a B2B setting, if you recommend a product to me, because recommendations is another way of personal personalizing things. So it's just another feature I'm calling out here. But if in the B2B space, you recommend a product to me, but it really doesn't fit my machinery or the products that I own or I'm servicing, then I might think as a user that since you're the manufacturer and you made that recommendation, you know something about me and you're accurately giving me information on what I should buy. And if you're just using algorithms across your entire customer base, you may mistakenly lead them to a product that they shouldn't be buying because it doesn't fit. So we have to think about these recommendation strategies differently when we get into a B2B space versus that B2C space where accuracy really matters. So I think the other thing I'd say about B2B is that personalization, especially as we think about behaviors and tracking behaviors on sites and how that might change in the future, it's nice to allow the customer to make choices regarding what they want to store for the next time that they come in. So like a shopping list, if they want to create several shopping lists, they get to create it. You're not creating it for them, but it's still a level of personalization because it's a shopping list that they've curated based on the needs of something that they've been searching for and doing. Things like order history and order status, those all become very valuable things based on their own uh, activity on that site. So that's where I would just pause. I know we want to get into a, a level deeper on some of this, but that's how I would explain it, working with the customers that I work with today. That's actually a very interesting explanation, to be honest. I mean, I never thought that the B2B space is going to be so deep. In fact, I like your example about showing a different part for a machine. And if a manufacturer did this, to be honest, it's especially to me, I know what I am going to do. I am going to take a picture and I am going to post on LinkedIn because that is going to make such a funny post because you are showing an super incorrect part to me and then I'm going to uh, you know, position this as you are so dumb. <laughs> in case of clothing, it doesn't really matter. But in case of B2B, I can see that, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. That's how I see it, to be honest. So great examples there. By the way, uh, I didn't know that, you know, there are specific features in the personalization. So I think we'll get, uh, you know, deeper into that. The other comment that you mentioned related to timeliness and the accuracy and my understanding of timeliness is going to be when I need a specific product, whether you are providing me that or not, it's not really the amount of time that you are taking to serve that information, meaning the speed of the site. Just I just wanted to clarify that. So when you said timeliness, is it the timeliness of serving the information or is it the speed of serving the information? Uh, it's the timeliness of it could actually be both. So here's what I, I meant by what I had stated is that if I took time previously to find something, yep. give me the ability to store it so I don't have to take the time next time. So that's part of timeliness. Right. OK, but. If we go a little bit deeper with respect to, again, manufacturers of equipment, if there is uh, some sensor on that equipment that is telling uh, that company that there's a failure or some predictive maintenance level, that could be a timely announcement when the user logs in that says a repair is needed. Oh, here, by the way, here are the products that you need for that repair. So there's a different level of timeliness, but I, w I wasn't necessarily talking about the speed of the site. Does that, okay. does that answer your question? It does. Thank you so much, Chris. So now I'm actually going to move to uh, Dave. And Dave, from your experience, what is personalization and why companies should care for personalization? They should be investing in looking into personalization as a strategy. 
Thanks, Sam. And yeah, there's a lot of things that you need to consider when you're thinking about personalization. First is that it's really becoming expected. People are becoming very sophisticated in their browsing. And we all experience and we all understand when someone is spamming us, aka they're just sending out messaging without any regard to who we are and what we do. That's an immediate turnoff, right? Everyone loves to buy online, but no one loves to be sold. And so the difference there is having a conversation and knowing who you're serving. Now, the good news, especially for us in B2B, as Chris had mentioned, is that we in general thrive on relationships and having the ability to track those relationships and to take what those relationships and those interactions are telling us and supply that into a helpful experience on the website, in e-commerce, in every interaction. When a salesperson calls up, you don't want to have that salesperson know nothing about that person. They want to know it's Mary Smith and Mary has two cats and Mary is very interested in a specific kind of precision milling and manufacturing and she needs these three things to be successful in her job, right? So the more personalization you have inside of your inputs for your business, the better. Now there's an issue, there's a catch. Within the next month or so, the world is going to dramatically change again thanks to our good buddies at Apple. iOS 15, mid-September, is going to dramatically change how all of these cookies and all of the data that we're passing back and forth is actually tracked. So we're going to see a big explosion, for example, in the SEO traffic. A lot of it is going to be showing up as direct traffic instead of as referral traffic because all of a sudden someone that's browsing on Safari on an iOS device is going to show up as a brand new interaction no matter how many times they've actually visited that site. And so you need to take care of that. And part of this is marketers digging our own graves. For so long, we've been so naughty about sending out the wrong information and overusing the information and details that we have that people are sick of it, right? And there's a lot of concern around privacy. One of the companies that I work for a lot is Google and I work with and all of the data and things that they know and that they connect and that they track is fantastic for the advertiser. It's also fantastic for the user if it's done correctly, but a lot of people aren't doing it correctly. And so we're getting people upset and so they're moving things out. So what are people doing? They're using ad ad blockers. They're using do not track settings on their browsers. They're using private browsers or government government regulations. The GDPR and the CCPA are both coming out and that's going to make huge differences in the kinds of data that we can track, right? So I guess where I'm where I'm getting with this is that we have a higher hill to climb, but if we can do actual help or if we can actually help our clients and give them a reason to click, yes, it's okay to track me via a cookie, you know, all those consent forms that are popping up, all of that's from CCPA, by the way, from the California Consumer Protection Act. Um, that's all necessary in order to get permission so that you can do a better job at delivering what people are expecting. I gave you a lot there, Sam. So. Yeah. So amazing, uh, you know, insights there, and you always give me some, you know, very interesting and 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 deeper information. That's what I care for, to be honest, because people need to know all of these things to be able to understand why these things matter. So we are going to dig into iOS 15 news a little bit more because I'm not sure if listeners are going to be able to follow that. But before we do that, uh, you know, I have one story related to your comment related to buying versus selling. And a lot of people don't really understand the subtle difference between what is really buying versus what is selling, right? So in case of personalization strategies, that matter a lot. So the story that I'm going to share is going to be related to a not-for-profit. And when you talk to not-for-profit, they are always going to say that, you know what, I have nothing to sell. And I get into the conversation with this organization, and the whole time, the only thing they could talk about is the sponsorship. And as soon as I open my mouth, they simply just don't listen to me. And if that happens, in my mind, that is sales. Now, in case of personalization strategies, if you're always going to give me that pop-up, which is probably going to be 15% discount without understanding whether which product I'm looking for, how is going to be my experience? 
I am going to always think that you are simply trying to sell it to me, even though you are not giving me the sales pitch, but you are either doing the pop-up or whatever you care for. You don't care for me. So you don't really understand me what I care for. So I just wanted to give that. I don't know if you are going to have anything to add there, but related to iOS 15. So I need to know more about how that is going to change. So you did mention that the cookies are going away. I can see some changes on Google right now. I can see a lot more ads. If I look at mobile, if I look at on my browser, the organic traffic is just not there. I don't know how come Google is, is able to do that or willing to do that because they were not in the favor of the, the ads uh, over the, the organic traffic. But that's changing now. I don't know if it is because of the declining revenue, because of recession. Do you have any sort of insights there? What is happening in the market? In general, I think what the big organizations like Google and a lot of B2B and folks that are focused on relationships are going to focus on is truly that, making yeah. sure that they're delivering actual value. So I think you, you hit on a key point here. Personalization only feels good if it's actually being used. If I'm tracking all kinds of information about a client, but then I keep giving them the same, hey, welcome to our to our website, new user, right? And if I don't know any of that stuff about my about the people that are most important to me, then I can't deliver anything. So what does Google focus on by for example? Well, they're focusing on Google Workspace. They're focusing on all of the tools and making sure that, you know, Google Docs and Google Sheets and all of those things are so useful. That you're well, that you're willing to be logged in as a Google user at all times in order to get access to those tools, right? Brilliant, because then you know what people are doing and you can give them more of what they're looking for. So, backing up a couple of steps, the way that I'm moving towards building websites for my clients is to make this process completely transparent. So, inside of HubSpot, when you build websites inside of HubSpot CMS, for example, if I have a relationship with the customer, if they've given me some information and I can track that information, and again, you know, do not track and all that stuff is, is going to throw a, a couple of wrenches into this, but you can still get people to log into your website and then you can give them what they want. As soon as you're logged into my website, I can make a completely custom website for you based on what I know. And that is so much easier to use. It's so much more rewarding. And it's so much more respectful of the relationship between a vendor or a website and its user. And that's what's going to make the big difference. And it's really where we're going to have to overcorrect into. We're going to have to be super, super useful in order to get over all of these hurdles that we're seeing with not being able to collect as much data on the fly about people. Okay, amazing insights there. So Steve, I'm actually going to move to you next. And uh, I know that Chris, uh, had spoken about one of the features related to personalization, and that was recommendation. And I wasn't even sure that there are specific features that actually matter in case of personalization. So what other features our listeners should know related to personalization other than recommendation? Well, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to back up and actually talk about customer experience again. Please, please. Uh, because what we need to remember is that uh, the big guns like Google and Facebook and Apple, they want to provide a really good customer experience, just like we do, right? Um, we sometimes lose sight of that as business people because we think a good customer experience can be measured by a sale, right? And so that that drives a bunch of this sort of negative response activity that, that happens on the web to all of us. And so we also have to remember that many of the changes that are happening to the world right now that, that Dave's talking about are policy-driven. They're coming out of the EU coming out of the government agencies and they're coming out of the state of California and that those are in turn driven by consumers who are unhappy and especially uh, people who are unhappy that get their personal information st stolen or hacked in some way that drives it too. So if you remember all that, you have to come back to the one issue that we all have as, you know, brand advocates or, you know, business owners is that our job what we want to do is unify our customer's experience of our brand across all the platforms and channels that they're going to see it in. When you're talking about personalization, that's you're really talking about that, I think, as a, you know, a strategy. So if they're going to get a, you, you can't, right now you can't personalize a billboard. In the really cool space movies with uh, Tom, what's his name? 
you can walk by a billboard and it'll sell to you. That's personalization strategy. So as these, as these changes take effect and we're less able to track people personally across the web, we're going to need to remember that there, there are people who hang out in places and that a kayaker hangs out in kayak places and a rock climber hangs out in rock climber places. And the personalization strategies, I think, are going to become more community-based. And, and it will be one thing to track them uh, intently the way Dave's talking about. And he's right on about that personalized website stuff. You know, Because if a musician friend knows that I play guitar and I don't play bass and, and I'm never going to buy a studio uh, equipment, then they're going to show me better stuff. So as far as like when, if you're, you, know, you talk about... Um, you, what you specifically asked me, are there other tools like that? Where I'm getting at by backing up is coming back into these features and saying, those are the features that we need to start thinking about. We need to leapfrog the features that we have right now because giving somebody a, other people thought about buying this thing really isn't that convenient. Okay, some amazing insights there. Thank you so much, Steve. Chris, what are your thoughts in terms of the features I know you had recommended or recommendation as a feature? What other features do you think? I'm, I'm pretty sure you have some sort of development roadmap in your tool where you have to do feature number one, feature number two, feature number three. So what are those features that are going to be related to personalization? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because when we were going to talk about this today, I went back to our tool and I started just making a list of all the things that I think bring a level of personalization to users. And I would start first with a non-logged in user, right? Okay. Because we have users who come to a website, we call them anonymous users, right? Yep. At that point, they're not logged in, but there usually is some element uh, of information that we have about them. And the thing that we encourage our customers to use, our manufacturing customers who have global operations, is to use the IP address to make sure that we're delivering to them a language in the country where they are. So it's def defaulting to the language. It's defaulting to a currency and it can even default to products that are sold within that region. Yep. Because we have customers who have multiple divisions around the world and some products are only sold out of Europe to European customers. And you wouldn't want to show them your North American products in that scenario. So just by tracking the IP address, that's a level of personalization. I'm seeing my language, I'm seeing my currency, uh, and I'm seeing the products that you sell in the country and region that I am in. Then when you move to a logged in user, and typically this is somebody who's registered, so it goes back to Dave's point of these people have told you something about them. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do with personalization once you have a registered user. The first thing is you can tie them to your account yep. so that they can or to their account. Excuse me. So now they're they have the ability to pay an account. Of course, if their terms are that way, they have the ability to see their pricing. So you could call these all features of personalization. Then you get into things like favorites, shopping lists, auto reorders or subscriptions. So these are, again, levels of personalization that you're offering to your registered users that make their job easier. If you give them access to their order history, where maybe uh, they're seeing orders not just placed through the e-commerce site, but all orders. Maybe they did five to the call center, five through the e-commerce site in the last week, but you have they have access through their login to see all of those orders and get the order status for everything. And then very quickly reorder or requote. So having the access to see quotations, having the ability within an account. So maybe the four of us work for the same company. So our login is assigned to the same account. My ability to see what you've quoted, maybe Sam, you don't have the ability and the authority to place an order, but you're a technician and you could create a quote. Maybe I'm that procurement leader and having access to your quote very quickly makes my job easier because now I can convert that quote to an order. These are all areas of personalization. If you can assign equipment that owners own, right, and they are operating. So when they come in, the product catalog that they're seeing 
is for the three pieces of equipment that are on their factory floor or the 15th fleet that they're running out there. So now they uniquely go into and have a product catalog with all the assemblies, all the drawings, all the parts and SKUs related to what they own. That's a level of personalization. So there are just all these uh, little elements that you can really consider personalization beyond things like product recommendations, which, like you say, that's just to me, that's that's more minor. It's great to upsell maybe for the manufacturer if they're trying to sell a kit that safely goes with another product and it makes their customer's job easier. Now, that's a level of personalization. If I'm putting something in my cart that you have a kit for that's going to make the dis, uh, the reassembly of that unit easier, then please recommend it to me, right? So um, these are all areas of, of personalization. And I think, you know, again, in my world <laughs> where we service customers, I think that smart technology of linking the equipment and, and all of the maintenance related to that equipment to logged in users who own that equipment and being able to recommend based on the service life, the hours or the miles associated, that is where the future is going. And that's why we need to start collecting the data now. And you said I would talk about data. So we need to start getting this data today so that we can have good, relevant, accurate information to these users later. And that's why uh, companies need to get started with this now, because if they're not, they're not even gathering the data that then can be made useful later. So I'll pause there. That's a lot. I think there are a lot of features when you think about B2B and ways that you can make a procurement or buyer's job easier. And love these insights. And by the way, I mean, there is always this notion that when you talk about personalization, people are always thinking that, you know what, you need to get their credit cards right away. And in my mind, that is actually sales. Okay, that is not personalization. So the subtle differences that you you actually pointed out, for example, the non-logged in users. Okay, that's where the personalization starts. You don't even have to know about them. Just think of the group where they are coming from what their needs are going to be, and what you can do to personalize them. Now, we are talking about some of the logged-in users as well. You mentioned the example about keeping the sales orders, okay? The personalization is going to be in the form of whether you are making their life help or whether you are making their life easy. And one of the ways of making their life easy is going to be, along with the sales order, maybe you can probably order the invoice, uh, store the invoices as well in their account. We Absolutely. all have tendency to lose receipts. And, <laughs> you know, if we want to find out, okay, where can I download my receipt right now? Okay, I can count on Jan Alpha. Okay, let me log in. Let me download this receipt. And I can tell you this best. People are going to <laughs> thank you for storing that because that's that makes my life easy. So personalization is far deeper overall. When you look at the data, the, the way people, you know, behave, what they really care for, what their core challenges are on a daily basis. You don't have to bring AI and recommendation engine to be able to provide the personalized experience. These are the tiny, many things that matter for the personalization uh, experience. Thank you so much for bringing that aside. So Dave, yeah, and I, I would also add just to your comment on the invoices, the ability to pay an invoice is a yes. personalization, right? Yes. If I'm there and I'm checking my invoice anyway, give me the ability to pay it right there. So another level of personalization. Again, because you are making their life easy. I think, you know, if you think in that, direction then people are going to appreciate it thank you so much Chris, for that so dave i'm actually going to move to you do you think there are any other features that you have seen that might be missing from the personalization uh, perspective well, one of the things that we've danced around a little bit but haven't directly impacted because i think we're focusing on the customer facing side the website side on on this for much of what we've talked about is you do need to have good business systems around all of these things right you only know about a customer and what their prospects are and what the orders they've made are if you have good ERP and if you've been keeping that up. So data integrity, making sure that your team keeps up. Um, in my world, in CRM, for example, if you're, if you're managing that relationship with a customer, a salesperson has a conversation with someone, you need to make sure that that data is logged. And then you can automate some of those interactions. They can automatically go into a workflow that will automatically send them 
more information or follow up a week after they've completed the order to say, how did it go? Or here's the installation tips on something, right? So having that business data and being able to use it in a helpful way. You know, a lot of people or a lot of businesses, especially in the small to mid cap range, have trouble with this because not everybody has money for like a NetSuite or an SAP to make all of these massive things come in. And, you know, sometimes my nose bleeds a little bit when I even think about the licensing on SAP alone, right? It's huge, but it's also hugely necessary. Now, there are less expensive options, more cost effective, and the technology is getting so good that it's mostly about finding a good partner that can recommend what each of these businesses need in order to fit in with what they're doing. But the more information that you have, the better you can interact and connect with the people that matter most. So then you get into the space of, well, what do we do now? Right. So we've also we, we know as much as we can about our people, but then you have to know who that customer is and build personas and build the kinds of next steps that each customer is going to have. And you need to be, build business cases around each of those. So in Chris's example, for a customer that we know just bought a specific kind of product, they're going to need the installation instructions. They are going to need related products or materials. And we know that generally there are wear parts on things after they order it. So six months later, we should be sending them a reminder that just says you're probably going to need to reorder these bearings or this thing or whatever. Right. So the more data we can get and the more thinking we can do on the back end on our business systems and make that all work for our customer, the better off we're going to be. The trick is this is not easy to do, especially if you're a small shop. Or if you're trying to really do as much as possible on a minimum budget. So you, you just some of this stuff you really do need to spend and invest in order to truly answer the needs of the customer. And for some businesses, for very, very small businesses, it might not ever make sense. Right. But for a mid cap org or even a large small business, the opportunity to make additional sales or to keep their customers six months longer would be all the difference that they need in order to justify the extra expense of improving the customer experience through personalization. Yeah, and Dave, I think you bring some very, very important points about overall integrated experience in terms of integrating you know, some of these systems. And obviously for the larger customers, that is going to be feasible for some of the smaller businesses, it may not be feasible. My experience with these things is obviously you can be, you can go very heavy in terms of features you can provide anything and everything that you like. You can provide the most personalized experience possible. But if you have a feature that is actually going to provide the incorrect information, for example, let's say if you talk about sales order or invoice. Okay, you may have, you know, all the features in the world, but just for one reason, if you are going to show the incorrect amount on my invoice or sales order, here's what I'm going to do. I'm done with you. I'm, I'm not doing this with you because I just cannot trust, even if it could be a minor mistake. Uh, so this integration, do it only when you can afford to do it in a financially uh, sensible manner. And then you can really afford to have all of those integrations. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. There are two additional things as we're all talking here that I started to think about with personalization and some features. Uh, chat, you know, chat is potentially a great personalization if you have a, a customer who's struggling and you have, you're manning uh, from multiple countries uh, in the different languages where people are. So you're really supporting them in the language in which they're doing business and offering them help. That's a level of personalization. Something that I also thought of was emails that get triggered from your e-commerce site, like a welcome email after you register, right? That's a beautiful way to personalize. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're establishing a relationship with somebody. A confirmation email after you've placed your order. So I know in my email that I've got a copy that you got my email and Hopefully it matches an order number inside the ERP system, right? A 
confirmation of delivery email. So if you've delivered my goods, um, maybe I'm not in the store to be able to see that. But if you send me an auto email that my parts or my products just delivered, awesome. That's a level of personalization, right? So we can start to abandon cart emails. You could do some personalization. Uh, it's a way to talk one-on-one. They put those parts in their cart or those products in their cart for a reason. So now you, you can personalize what you're sending to them. So email can be a great way to continue the conversation, to just uh, establish that relationship and deliver confidence to your customer. So thought I would just Shout out those other two features that I, I was thinking about as you guys were talking. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, lo- I love that, Chris, and the, the fact, especially the abandoned cart personalizations. That's actually one of my little killer uh, buying tips is I'll go into websites, and especially websites of companies that I know Steve represents, because they're all pretty darn smart about what they do. And I'll add something to cart, and then I'll just walk away. And then nine times out of 10, I'm going to get an email from them later with, oh, 20% off for the next ne- for the next couple hours. Like, ooh, good. Well, I just did that just by being semi-irresponsible with what I do. So if a customer can interact with a company and if a business can know that, and this is where social media comes in and where Facebook makes its dough, right? You can connect because you know about that person and give them more info, and then maybe you target them. I just did a very silly thing as a marketer, and I clicked like on a bourbon that I that I enjoy, and holy moly, I got so many messages from Facebook just popping up. All of a sudden, I am and I'm a hardcore alcoholic now, evidently, because every other message I see in my stream is bourbon this and bourbon that, and you need this and headache cures or something. I was like, holy crap, what happened? But it's because they know that about me now, and that's unlocked a new connection that people can use to personalize and to hopefully increase the ability or the likelihood that I'm going to work with them instead of kind of freaking me out and saying, dude, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a flask in my back pocket right now. Relax. So I, I just want to say how appreciative I am of, of Dave and Chris and Sam today. Cause usually I'm the guy who sits there and talks about features and things on websites and for some reason, I, I was coming at this question from a, a, a far more um, metaphysical in a certain way. But I think we're all leading to the same place, which is that in the end, there's a lot of communications that, that we touch our clients with or, and our clients touch their clients with, right? And the idea is that you, you want to be as personal as possible across any channel that you're using. And to, spot, to talk specifically about a feature, we're talking about emails. One of the most powerful things I think a company could do of any size is actually set up a really good CRM. Whether they're going to use auto-responding emails now or in the future, set up something like HubSpot, connect it to your website, and start getting that data in there and start getting all of the people who pick up the phone to use that system. So that when you know Jane Johnson calls last week to talk about Part A and she calls this week to talk about Part B, the person who picks up the phone can see oh, you talked to Janice last week about part A, right? Additionally, to give an example about a specific client, if you, if I, I've got a client who sells sharpening things and some of those sharpening things require replacement belts and pads and little blades and honing tools. And we know generally that when someone buys one of those things, they're going to need a replacement belt probably in six months, right? And, we also know that, say, if somebody bought a kitchen-type sharpener uh, and they haven't bought another type of sharpener because there are ones made for the garage and there are ones made to go in your tackle box and there are ones that are made to go uh, in your hunting kits because they're made to sharpen big bowie knives and whatnot, that those people haven't bought those. And if we have a CRM that's collecting information about them and we know that they've gone to the Bowie knife sharpener tool, but they only bought the kitchen one for their wife or spouse or something, then we have, we can make to get tactical about it. You can make a list in the back end of these tools, whether it's HubSpot or somebody else that says, here's all the people that bought the kitchen tool. And here's all the people that bought these other things. And, and here's the kitchen people who also bought a replacement belt in the last six months. So now I can actually take the replacement belt buyers 
subtract them from the people who didn't buy a bit replacement belt. And every six months, I can send them an email saying, hey, John, I know you bought the E5 uh, a year ago and you haven't bought any replacement belts. Just wanted to check in. You know, and, and part of the personalization there, too, I think, should include an actual human being, their picture, who's a salesperson that's their personal contact. And I know I've done this probably most episodes going back for the last six months. Look at what Sweetwater.com does. They do, they do this exact same thing, and I get a really nice email from Jeff Law. Hi, Jeff. He checks in with me, and I know it's an automated email, but he, I also get a phone call. Sometimes I get those emails, and I call him because I'm like, yeah, I was thinking about this power supply. What do you think? That's the power of a CRM automation and something like HubSpot that I'll say I think Dave's an expert at HubSpot, so you should talk to him about it. Thanks, yeah, Steve. I- <laughs> Yeah, so I could not agree more, uh, Steve. And in fact, I mean, see, I think people uh, have this tendency to think that, you know what, if it is going to be automated email, then I'm probably going to hate it. It's not always true. If I need something, if I need to buy something today, and if I get an automated email, I don't care whether it is coming personally from the salesperson or it is coming as the automated email. I need this. I need to buy this. It is in front of me. I'm going to buy it because I have coupons sitting in front of me. And that's why I'm utilizing it. So, again, I think, you know, people go sort of the nitpick with respect to automated versus uh, versus the personalized experience. But it is more to it in terms of, okay, reach out to people when they really need. And I like your example, Steve, the way you mentioned that, you know what, figure out your campaigns. The way you are going to design your campaigns, it's going to be based on need because you can predict this need based on the past behavior of similar groups that they have that, that that people may have bought now you may be able to predict for let's say 80 percent of your audience and you might be wrong in 20 percent. that's okay because you are saving a lot of manual effort there if you had to send every single email personally written to every single person then you are looking at what i don't know maybe two months of time from a person that's going to be probably twenty thousand dollars <laughs> is it worth to send those emails so again, I think the, the the way we think about the automation, we need to change the thinking and personalization is slightly deeper in my experience. It, it's simply this because I think all of us have dealt with this where where a, a customer says, well, I don't want to bother my uh, my clients too much, my customers too much, right? And and that's a valid thing, right? But what I say is like if you walked into a travel store and you bought a carry-on luggage and told them you were going to Paris – and the person did not recommend the Lonely Planet Paris food guide. You would that that person would be doing you a disservice. So, if you make great products, you're doing them a service by showing them those more great products. And if you don't feel like you can do a service by showing those products, you need to remove that product from your product line and move on. So, I could not agree more. I think you know people have tendencies to think about sales and marketing as very negative. I mean, I like to think this as help, to be honest. You are helping me when I really need it, but you are definitely not helping me when you are coming after me and I clearly said that I don't need it. Just go away from here. So, Chris, I'm actually going to move to you next in terms of the tools and technologies. I know we have spoken briefly about chat as the potential tool. We have spoken about the features. Are you familiar with any other tools and technologies that might be utilized to improve the personalization? You know, I think we talked about a few of them. The CRM system, um, HubSpot was mentioned earlier. I think that, you know, you you mentioned chat. There's a lot of inexpensive chat tools available that can be easily integrated to to, uh, an e-commerce site. Same with email marketing. If you don't have a fancy tool, MailChimp is a great recommendation. I, I know... I don't know if we want to throw out names here, but um, that's at least a way to get started, uh, depending on the, on the size. You know, I think the vendor that you work with and the e-commerce platform that you you decide upon, they're going to offer you good recommendations if you don't have some of these systems in place already. So I think it really behooves you to Identify your own requirements. What are you trying to achieve? Evaluate your vendors and then talk about personalization and look at which features that we've all talked about here. Do you think you could implement or maybe the uh, 
the vendor is going to have them as part of their solution and all they have to do is be configured on. And then if you're missing a component that is a backend integration, ask them for their recommendation because often they're going to share with you where they have had integrations in the past. They can share with you customer stories. But I really think we addressed all of the different tools uh, in our conversation without calling them out specifically your your vendor is really gonna gonna have some great information for you. Okay, amazing insights there, Chris. So, uh, Dave, I'm actually gonna move to you in terms of the tools and technologies. And one of the tools that I am going to highlight is really going to be Intent Data. And I don't know if you are seeing Intent Data being used to improve the customer experience, the personalization experience. Have you seen any other tools or technologies that may be upcoming to improve the experience? It could be the plugins on top, on top of HubSpot or any other tools and technologies that our listeners should be familiar with. So what's really fun about intent data is you can set up your intent data however you want to yeah. collect it. And so, for example, on my side, HubSpot is a tool that we use. We're platinum providers with them, and we're like one of the few that actually get to train other businesses on HubSpot's behalf. There's only 12 yeah. of us in the world that do this. So we get to really dig in. And one of the cool parts about that is I can set, okay, for anyone that visits my website three times in a month, anyone that downloads a form, anyone that hits me on a social network, anyone that does a search of a specific kind, I'm going to log those people as a particular persona. And I know that those personas need this information to be successful. So it can be a marketing transaction where I'm giving them more of what they're looking for. It can be a service transaction where I know if they hit the support page and then they're looking at a specific kind of product or service and trying to find more information about that, I can have my customer service rep reach out to them. Or even on the sales side, if I'm visiting specific pages and giving certain sales signals, I can actually rank those people as far as their lead score and anybody that's a lead score of 65 or higher, they're going to get a call that very day from my sales team, right? So all of this is possible. Awesomely, it's all possible inside of HubSpot. But for whatever tool you choose, and you know, we talked earlier about what kind of vendor are you going to choose and who are you going to work with, the key thing is to note that you need to have a good partner in these spaces and that you need to give it time. Tons, I get a question or a concern from a client and they're like, okay, we need to do this. I need to have a personalization strategy in. Uh, it is August 16th or it's August 19th today and I need this by September 14th, right? It's not going to happen. This stuff requires a lot of navel gazing. It requires a lot of data cataloging and tracking. It requires workflows. It requires months of really in-depth work to get it to where it needs to go. Now, for some small businesses, it's not going to be worth that lever it's, or you're not going to be able to wait for that long. AI is starting to come up and help us with some of that, but you're not going to be able to get over the hump that you do need to invest in both time and some sort of a great tool or suite of tools to get you what you need. And so that's my big caution to everyone in this. There is no easy solution on any of these things. You actually need to work with people that know their bones on any of this stuff. So if you don't have a good partner, now there's a lot of places to find partners. You know, of course, you should be listening to WBS Rocks and all of the great people that you interview on a regular basis, Sam. But, you know, the, the key thing is find someone that can speak to you for your needs without necessarily just pushing a thing. You know, if I, if I was a Salesforce rep, I'd probably be talking about Salesforce. I happen to work in HubSpot, so I'm talking about HubSpot. Yeah. You need to be able to trust that whatever tool you can deliver or that you're getting recommended is going to be the right one for you. Okay, love it. Thank you so much, Dave. Okay, so we are going to do closing advice. I am going to start with Chris. Chris, what is your closing advice when it comes to personalization? I'm pretty sure it's going to be related to data. Uh, because today is the day for data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that uh, my closing advice would be that personalization is under an evolution. It, this is early. Um, some of the things that we're doing 
Um, yes, we've been doing for a while. Some are new. It, it continues to change. But I think I would suggest you get started with e-commerce so you can start gathering the data. Any good solution provider is going to allow you to do that. So you're going to start capturing data and it needs time, just like Dave mentioned. Over time, as personalization continues to evolve and we have new tools, you're going to want to run the algorithms against the data to be able to use it uh, in, in a proper way, again, for accuracy for your clients. And, and that's what I say is that many companies we talk to are just missing out because they're, they're not even gathering the data yet. So we, we have to get started so at least the data gathering can start. And then a good solution provider is going to keep adding personalization to their product and you're going to benefit from it. I completely agree. I think data gathering is super important. If you don't have that, I don't know what, how you can analyze the customer behavior. So thank you so much for that. Steve, uh, what is your closing advice? I, I think I'm going to say like in my experience, we're, we're going to use HubSpot as a metaphor for all the other tools. Uh, but if most companies in say the 10 to $70 million range surprisingly don't have uh, an agency like Dave's working for them. And what they tend to do is they hire somebody who maybe has some CRM experience and then they send them through the HubSpot training. And it, it's an effective way to create somebody who's a technician, who, but it's not an effective way to create somebody who actually understands the architecture and capabilities of the tool. And so my recommendation is if, if you're one of those people and you, you keep hiring people and you're not getting the success you need, what you're missing is you're missing someone like Dave who can architect it and set it up and maximize all the opportunities that are in there. And in so doing, teach that technician how to monitor it and, and maximize it themselves. That's how you're going to really make it sing. And you might need some technology people in the background too, but you, you can't just hire somebody and have them go through the Salesforce or CRM, uh, Sugar or HubSpot. To, to go through their little videos and then become an expert. It's not how it works. So get get the really professional help you need. If you're at that level, you can afford it and it, it will pay for itself. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you should not be investing in personalization strategies when you cannot really afford it. I mean, as they pointed out that this is probably going to be a journey. So when you are at a place when you can afford to invest in personalization strategies, then hire professional as opposed to simply wasting your money in something that is not going to do any good for you. So thank you so yeah, much that for that. Yeah, that technician's going to cost you 60K a year probably, and you're not going to get what you'd get out of them. Exactly. That you need, right? So better place for that money to be spent initially. Thank you so much, Steve. Dave, what is your closing advice? Uh, first, checks in the mail, Steve. Thank you very much for, for that one. Um, the the big thing to that everyone should realize is, yes, data is getting more difficult. There's a lot of new things happening that are going to change the outlook and the way that we're able to collect data and information in order to personalize. But the good news is that this is going to force all of the real companies that are serious about this to do it the right way, right? So having a great tool that you can use, working on a great strategy and being aware of all of the ways that you can lever the real ability to serve your customer is going to be the way that you're going to walk up winning. And by the way, there's an, an old codger sitting in the corner on a rocking chair that's just been waiting to come out and kick butt again. That's email. Everybody keeps discounting email. Yeah. The only thing that we can completely control is the ability to interact with people one-on-one. -on -one. So email's not dead. Yeah. It's just, and, and by the way that all the things are going away and the and the facts that we're not able to track cookies anymore and we're at, we're not able to do a lot of the, fun things that we were able to do through social, email is coming back as an important interaction strategy with a whole new fervor. So every time you think that a dead technology is dead, it's going to come back and email is one of those things that's just never, ever going to die. So find a great partner, make sure that you subscribe to WBS Rocks and thanks everybody for the fantastic conversation. This was really fun. Okay. Thank you so much guys uh, for your time and insight. Thanks, Thank Sam. Bye-bye. See you everybody. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. 
If you want to learn more about Steve Rice, head over to dotcomjungle.com. It's D-O-T-C-O-M-J-U-N-G-L-E.com. If you want to learn more about Chris Harrington, head over to janalpha.com. It's G-E-N-A-L-P-H-A.com. If you want to learn more about Dave Meyer, head over to busyweb.com. It's B-I-Z-Z-Y-W-E-B.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Ronnie Teja, who discusses the upsell and cross-sell strategies for e-commerce merchants and how you might be able to increase the average order value for your customers. Also, the interview with Dave Meyer from BusyWeb, who describes how marketing automation works and why that is important to understand customer journeys. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.